He's come up before in passing, but it's probably time we dug deep into the polarizing figure that is John Cena, corporate beef slab. He's the most famous mainstream wrestler on the planet, the closest thing we have to a Rock or a Hulk Hogan in this decade's fractured pop cultural landscape. He's a record-tying world champion, he's got a reality show, he's hosted SNL, and none of his movies have gone directly to DVD. He's a big deal. However, he's such a big deal that he doesn't really feel like a character on a wrestling show anymore. He feels more like a corporate decision in denim shorts that everyone else is kind of forced to wrestle around. He has to remain this eternal constant so that WWE can dispatch him to guest host the Today Show or teach him Mandarin so he can head up a goodwill mission to China. He's almost exclusively less interesting when he's playing the on-screen role of John Cena than he is playing the real-life role of John Cena. The only time his wrestling character gets really interesting is when the on-screen narrative acknowledges his role as the status quo made flesh, and we're going to do a two-part episode to dissect two of the times that that happened. In 2011, this metaphor was in play as John Cena took on the role of defender of WWE's business as usual against the existential threat of one CM Punk. Punk was a longtime cult favorite who having made his frustrations with WWE well-known, secured himself a world championship match against John Cena in his own hometown of Chicago on the very same night that his contract was set to expire. At Money in the Bank 2011, these two stepped in front of a rabidly pro-punk, pro-change crowd to decide the legacy of both men. If John Cena won, CM Punk would become a footnote. If CM Punk won, it would be a shock to the system that WWE, and by extension John Cena, had spent 10 years insisting upon. Today, on I Hate Wrestling, it's John Cena versus CM Punk, Hostile Territory, Part 1. Testing, testing, testing. Should you turn the fan off? Can you... Yeah, give it, a, give it a shot. See what it sounds like with the fan on. It's actually on. Oh, the fan's on already? Yeah. Fuck it. All right, cool. All right. Um, I've recorded so many. I mean, I uh, everybody out there, I'm letting you peek behind the curtain a little bit. I've recorded almost every episode in my room with the air conditioning on oh. because I've recorded this in the heat of summer. The heat of summer of punk. The heat of summer of punk. On its back, ladies and gentlemen, for episode three. Is it episode three? Uh, with me, uh, episode three. So it is a dark and stormy night. And here we are. It's, it's July the 17th. Does that, de- does that date mean anything to you, Ahmed? Uh, yeah, it was the date that I, well, I watched my first ever live wrestling pay-per-view live live at a friend's home <laughs> I've never done it before really and there's a pretty good reason why pretty good reason uh, people wanted to get together on that night that magical night ago. was it also a dark and stormy night seven years ago no I went to the mosque and uh, <laughs> I prayed to Allah and then I headed over to my friend so it wasn't a dark and stormy night at all Allah blessed you with good weather and good fortune he, a really good show, too. <laughs> a really good Some show. really good booking decisions, yeah. It was seven years ago tonight, the match that we're going to watch, and the match is John Cena versus CM Punk, who, before your boy was, was Petrov Dunn, uh-huh. 
Uh, Pete Dunn, who we talked about in your previous episode, CM Punk was your boy. Yes, Peter Dunn. Peter Dunn. Peter Dunn! Peter Dunn. Damn yeah. Punk. <laughs> Beat me to it. So, uh, CM Punk uh, nowadays is no longer involved in the pro wrestling world. Uh, yes, he's, he's not around at the moment. No, he's, uh, he's mixed up in mixed martial arts. Today's match is all about shocking the system. Today's match is all about change needing to happen so badly that people are just rabid for it. Something comes along that people latch onto, and WWE runs with it for a couple of months, and then they just they set everything back to square one by having John Cena win. And this happened time after time after time, month after month after month, since about what, 2005? That's, yeah, that's about the time that they decided that he was the guy. Yeah. And as a result, John Cena became more of a stressful conversation than an actual character on the wrestling show. A corporate mandate in denim shorts that everybody else just had to wrestle around. John Cena was always going to be there. And even if things organically seemed to want to go in a different direction and the audience wanted things to go in a different direction, WWE would sort of, with their metaphorical shepherd's crook, yank whatever act that was off stage and put John Cena out for an encore that nobody asked for. So that had happened a year before this. And at this point, uh, CM Punk had made it very publicly known that he did not intend to stay with WWE when his contract expired. Because he felt that he had been misused, he felt that he deserved some of the spotlight that John Cena was getting, he felt that WWE was not using its assets wisely. And he made it well known that he did not want to continue to be employed by this company, and yet he managed to secure himself a championship match on the same day that his contract was expiring in his own hometown. So that's, an, that's a very interesting story. That's a very unique story, and people were hot for it. Now, you might expect that WWE would have John Cena win here and send, send CM Punk packing. That's the status quo. It's not exactly what happens. It is not. And I remember the not... The night the show ends, uh, I was up for hours wondering, like... <laughs> Where do like, we go from here? Fuck, they did it. Spoilers. Now, you don't need to watch the match every Yeah, day. oops. Um, fuck, they did it. And not only did they do it, uh, which, which I really much liked, was the, the, the false cash-in at the end, because prior to the match... I think some people kind of assumed, all right, he might win, but right. this is a money in the bank show. There are two briefcases. Somebody's, you know, bound to cash in. Right. And so you can have Punk win, get the feel-good moment for a minute, uh, but he doesn't leave with the title, which is never going to happen. Right. Um, you put a lot, of, a lot of heat on this new uh, heel, presumably. Right. And then you have Cena's ready-made next program because it's always about Cena. Right, and then Cena chases the new champion. Exactly. And then if Punk were to ever come back, um, presumably if he was going to leave, 
you can always revisit that um, uh, that match, but those right. two matches. Right. Now, you, you bring up a good point about everybody's sort of, you know, we call it armchair booking, right? It's the sort of the wrestling version of being, uh, of being the armchair quarterback. You know, yeah. you're sitting at home, you're watching the show, and you're thinking, well, where does the story go from here? Well, here's what I would do. And there's just so much armchair booking in this situation because you have you have this character who's red hot, who you know is leaving, who everybody wants to see win the title, but you have John Cena, who's an inevitability. So there's no way, no way yeah. that CM Punk is leaving with that title. So what do you do? You suggested the money in the bank. We should talk a little bit about money in the bank. Sure. We should talk a little bit about some of the different referential narratives that come into play here. Money in the Bank is a, is, a, is a WWE thing where somebody wins a match and then they have a contract known as the Money in the Bank contract, which they can cash in at any point during the coming year. It yes. doesn't matter what the circumstances, they can, they can call, will their match into being, and it's a legal match and they can win the title. So a lot of people thought, okay, that's definitely going to happen, especially because CM Punk had already done that twice. Back-to-back Money in the Bank winner, CM right. Punk. CM Punk did it two years in a row and both times won a championship. So wouldn't that be poetic justice? Of course. And then, of course, the other big thread is Montreal. The only other time a similar thing had happened in wrestling history was back in 1997. Uh, Bret Hart was WWE champion. And his contract was expiring, and he had made it known that he was going to go to WCW, which was the big rival promotion at the time. And he had a match with Shawn Michaels, who was, again, one of your boys. One of my boys before he blocked me. You're right. Your original boy before Shawn Michaels' son was your boy. Yeah, Cameron. Cameron. The, the heartbreak baby. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels had a real-life rivalry Long story short, Brett refused to lose to Sean in his home country of Canada because he felt that this would diminish his legacy. This is all real stuff, not, yeah. not storyline stuff. And Brett decides to make a stink. He's not going to lose the title. Vince McMahon, again in real life, gets mad about that and decides to come down to the ring during the match and demand that the referee ring the bell. Mm-hmm. And he essentially claims that Brett Hart submitted to Shawn Michaels and underhandedly on live pay-per-view hands the title to Shawn Michaels. And this became a topic of wrestling conspiracy theories for years. There are still people who think that the, uh, the so-called Montreal screw job was, uh, was scripted from the beginning. There are people who think that it was like, you know, Bret Hart was being a, was a double agent who was being sent to WCW. It's nuts. But Montreal aside, the realities of it aside, that's something, another thing that a lot of people thought would happen, that in order to prevent CM Punk from winning this match, Vince McMahon himself would intervene, or some other WWE official would intervene in order to stop it, this from happening. Yeah. Because uh, this is an existential threat to WWE, right? What is? The idea of somebody taking their top title and leaving the show with it. Yeah, for, to someone who... I, I think uh, doesn't understand the legality of of IP and intellectual property and 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 all that. So right, Medusa. Medusa, yes. Medusa brought her actual WWE Women's Championship belt onto Monday Night Nitro and threw it in the garbage. 
CM Punk wasn't going to take... I mean, at this point, WWE didn't have any sort of uh, competition of that level in the U.S., but CM Punk specifically said that he wanted to take that championship and defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He said he wanted to defend it in Ring of Honor. And the fact that he said the names of those companies out loud on, on WWE TV. television, yes. that was not a thing that ever happened. Even when WWE was deadlocked with WCW and everybody knew it, WWE never said the words or the letters, I guess, WCW on television. So the fact that CM Punk would utter out loud the names of other wrestling companies made this feel real. And not just other wrestling companies, that, you know, that famous segment on June 27th at the Pipe Bomb, he, make, he mentions Paul Heyman. He does. For, uh, he mentions Brock Lesnar. He mentions John Laurinaitis, who, I, I, up until that point, I didn't know the hell that guy was. Right. Uh, this is, uh, Ahmed is mentioning a very famous interview. You can go and look this up, everybody. It's called The Pipe Bomb. It's sort of a melodramatic name that CM Punk himself gave this promo. But it is one of the all-time legendary wrestling promos, just in terms of how incendiary it is and how upsetting it is to the status quo. He says these things that nobody is supposed to say. He mentions Paul Heyman. He mentions Brock Lesnar, who at the time, WWE did not talk about them. They were persona non grata. Mm -hmm. He mentioned uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. He mentioned Colt Ring Cabana. of Honor. He mentioned Colt Cabana, his best friend, who shows up in the, in the front row watching this mm -hmm. match. And the other thing that I wanted to mention that he says in that interview, because I think it plays out in the match we're about to watch, he says he doesn't hate John Cena. I was thinking the same exact thing. And that's what this, this match is between John Cena and CM Punk. He says, I don't hate you, John. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. In this way, we're positioning CM Punk not necessarily against John Cena, but what John Cena represents. The idea that John Cena is the ideal pro wrestler. What he hates is John Cena embodying the WWE status quo. So in a way, what we're seeing is CM Punk almost literally struggling against the status quo that has frustrated him for the past several years and what has this made him decide to no longer seek employment with this company after this match. It was, it was CM Punk versus WWE. It was not CM Punk versus John Cena. And right. that's really what the crux of this feud was. John Cena represented what, I guess, a fan like me or maybe a fan like you really disliked about the product, which was uh, everyone loses to Cena. He's your prototypical, muscly, uh, scripted, PG, clean character. Yes. And that was not what CM Punk was. That was not who the previous um, top guys were. Steve, so-called Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H even. John Cena was um, this, new, this new breed of, of top star that a majority, maybe, I don't know about majority, but a very loud segment of the population did not like. And CM Punk represented the alternative. The alternative, right. Or I should say, John Cena did have his progenitors, right? He might not be in the same, the same school as Steve Austin, but he's definitely a descendant of Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. The sort of infallible, goody-two-shoes, marketable guy. Yeah. 
Worked hard. Works hard. Listen, I get what WWE is coming from because John Cena is very marketable. Were you gonna send? Were you gonna send CM Punk to guest host the Today Show? Was CM Punk going to anchor a reality show? Was CM Punk going to voice a cartoon bull? No. John Cena is the figurehead of a multi-billion-dollar media empire. Yeah. CM Punk is a really great pro wrestler. And that is the crux of, I think, the continued frustration with being a wrestling fan who watches WWE because we're watching a multi-billion-dollar corporation putting on a TV show that wrestling is a big part of it. Yes. But that is not necessarily what they're interested in. Right. And in promoting at least because it's not the wrestling. It is the the image, the stars, the uh, the cast. Right. Well, even in the terminology, right? WWE doesn't say wrestlers. It says superstars. Which uh, CM Punk, in one of his promos, uh, interviews leading up to this pay-per-view we're about to watch, he calls it out. You know, you want to shame people for liking pro wrestling. You know, he kept saying wrestling, which at the time yes. was not said, similar to Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman and their right. sort of name drops. WWE at this time, and it's, it's cooled down now, but at, certainly in 2010, 2011, saying wrestling was a big issue. Right. Uh, wrestler, wrestling, pro wrestling. Right. It was sports entertainment. Right. They were superstars and divas. Right. They were maybe performers as right. well. Right. And this, this, the build-up to the show, the show itself, was a much-needed break. Yes. Because it was finally somebody on the show. CM Punk calls himself the voice of the voiceless. And in this case, the voiceless are the fans. And he is, on their behalf, within the fictional reality of the show, saying, this sucks. <laughs> this is not what anybody wants to see. I think he was right. I think if you look at the reactions that he gets, he was 100% right. And even to this day, you know, I don't want to jump so far ahead. Uh, if you don't know, CM Punk is not in the WWE. Uh, doesn't seem like he'll ever return. However, his presence is still very much felt in, in many ways, but certainly when an audience doesn't like what they're watching, right? they will chant CM Punk. They'll chant a lot of other things as well, but uh, they've chanted CM Punk during the main event of WrestleMania this year. Right, it's just sort of as a... Protest. I, I, I guess as a protest, right? Because CM Punk, you know, he was their guy on the inside. He was the guy who wanted pro wrestling instead of sort of empty theatrics. And to this day, people will still chant CM Punk. I think to the frustration of a lot of, a lot of performers, because a lot of performers now are more from the CM Punk mold than the John Cena mold. Absolutely. And that's his legacy, which I think, you know, we'll talk about at some point. Yeah, I think his... CM Punk's personal journey relating to pro wrestling is, I think, probably a bittersweet one, but his legacy is strong as far as the people who came after him and paving the way and showing that people, yeah, did like to see wrestling and did want to see wrestlers. Should we watch this match? Should we start, or do you want to talk a little bit more? Um, I want to ask you if you have any general feelings about John Cena. I, every single pay-per-view. I, if you remember, 2009, I think he made evented with Randy, Randy Orton more than like 70% of the year. It, it was, was ridiculous. It was rough. 
it was there's that graphic online, guys. Look it up. Yeah. Randy Orton John Cena two thousand nine. There's all the pay per view um graphics. It's 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 excessive. It's excessive. Which as a fan, I didn't I wouldn't say even I, I had strong feelings against John Cena at the time, but the idea that he was always in the main event and always feuding with the same guy, which also didn't help. Right. In terms of his um of his feeling stale, I began to resent the guy. Didn't think he was a good pro. Didn't think he was a good talker. His matches were not fantastic. And yeah, it just never appealed to me. Um, fast forward, as time has gone on, I've learned to appreciate him, uh, especially when he's serious. I think when he cuts his serious promos, sometimes I roll my eyes. Well, uh, when the Denzel voice comes out. The Denzel rough. voice. Sometimes the Boston accent comes out. Yeah. Uh, which is weird. You know, I've learned to respect the guy. I guess I've always respected him. I can't, you know, show the guy who works hard. Um, but I do appreciate how hard he works, and when I think he does see a talent in someone, he has no issue, uh, maybe not no issue, but he has less of an issue putting someone over, and I think this gets to the Vince McMahon of it all, right. which is John Cena is one guy, CM Punk is one guy, at the end of the day, the WWE is a Vince McMahon, a 72-year-old maniac, I think. Right. Um... And so the legacy of this match, the legacy of CM Punk and John Cena, I think are very much tied to Vince McMahon. Yeah. John Cena is the representative of WWE in this match. Vince McMahon is the representative of WWE in real life. Yes. And he's also crucially involved here. But also to your point, the way you talk about John Cena is very much the way CM Punk talks about John Cena. Right? You don't hate John Cena. You maybe even like John Cena a little I, bit. You respect the, John Cena. I hate the idea that you're the best. Right. Yeah. A lot of fans who fancy themselves experts will tell you that John Cena is terrible. I think they're wrong. And here's why. If John Cena was terrible, he would get no reaction. I think the, the, the inside fan, the smart fan, who consider themselves to be experts, I think they're blinded by their... Anger, misplaced anger, by the way, at John Cena. I think their anger is really with the presentation of the guy. Yeah, John Cena is not a bad wrestler because wrestling, the idea is yeah, the moves, but it's the story. Right. It's how it makes you feel, and the intended the intended responses, if those are met, and this is a match that plays on that as well. Cena typically will win with one or two attitude adjustments. Right. He got those off in this match. Or the, the, the STF. The right. STF, which no one clicks, no one uh, seems to escape. Yeah, this match, uh, this match which we're going to talk about, plays with finishing moves a lot. Which yeah. I think is maybe a commentary on the way we expect matches to end. Since this match is, about, is all about how, we, how we're expecting this storyline to end. So it's all about, this match is all about subverting expectations. So that comes into play also. Both of these guys counter each other's finishing moves an absurd number of times. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. I think this was the first match I can remember where they... This match gets created with it. Yeah. All right, so I think we've made, we've made some, some good points about, uh, about the implications of this. Oh, there's one more thing I wanted, yes. I wanted to bring up. Bring it. We talked about some of the major players in this narrative. We talked about CM Punk as the... Voice of the Voiceless. We talked about John Cena as being the physical representation of 
WWE status quo. We talked about Vince McMahon being the representation of WWE's business interests, wanting to see how this match plays out. There's one other major force in this match, and that's the city of Chicago. Chicago is absolutely a character in this match. They are rabid for CM Punk. This might be the hottest crowd I have ever seen for any wrestling show. And I think since as well. I don't remember... I can't ever remember a crowd as hot as this crowd. I We've had crowds that are loud, but there's something about this night, this crowd, that is just... There's, there's a phrase, it's a bit of a cliche, but I think it's applicable in this case, big fight feel. One million percent. This match feels like a big deal. The crowd is electric. You can feel that atmosphere. And... The fact that they are molten for every single thing that happens pushes this match over the edge. And we're about to watch it with the sound off. So <laughs> so I'm curious to see if it holds up as well when we don't hear the people of Chicago freaking out. We shall see. We shall see. Um, all right. Okay. This shot, they used the shot again, I think, the following year, or maybe a couple of years when they go back to Chicago with one of CM Punk's entrances. They do the same exact shot. Yeah, just the sort of panning over this. As the great Gorilla Monsoon would say, a sea of humanity. A sea of humanity. All right. So you can't hear it, guys. You can't hear it, but trust me, these people... Well, they're not quite... uh, And then CM Punk sort of slowly walks out, and now it's just... It's pandemonium. I remember being on Twitter earlier in the day, um, and this shirt that he's wearing, this uh, fastest-selling, record-selling T-shirt that he has on, which was made just for that. For tonight. Right, it was an exclusive shirt. Seven seven seventeen eleven on the back, it says. It's a, in the style of a baseball shirt, right? Like a, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a sort of classic... They call it a ringer tee. A ringer tee, yes. Yep. Uh, this is best in the world on the back, Chicago, seven seventeen eleven. Yep, and he's just he's just soaking it in. Soaking it in. This uh this t shirt ends up becoming, I guess, the closest thing to an Austin three sixteen shirt for this generation of uh, WWE. Yeah. Now, the, the sign... I love that sign. If Cena wins, we riot. Yes. I also like and the And if Punk one. loses, we riot. Yeah. So, very much, the feel of this arena, there's a threat of real, real life, physical yes. violence, real anarchy. If this does not work out, we're going to lose our shit. Right. Similar to, um, I don't know if you've done ECW One Night Stand... From 2005 or 2006. Yeah, that's uh, that's part two. There you go, the companion. This is the, the that's the companion show. piece. Yep, we're we'll do that one eventually. But yeah, John Cena is in hostile territory, and that's the thing about about John Cena. He yeah. because he is so much the golden child, so much the favorite son. Yeah. He's never at a disadvantage. He's never at a home field disadvantage. Yeah. Here, he is definitely on his back foot. CM Punk is 100% has a psychological advantage out of the gate. Smoking it. Yep. Crowd's losing their fucking mind. And he drops down to, uh, to a cross-leg position 
which is how he cut his pipe bomb promo. It's a visual reference to that. Even though he's making himself very small and inconspicuous, it's a place of it's a position of power Absolutely. for CM Punk. Everyone is paying attention to him. Everybody's paying attention to him. He's the center of attention and he's loving every second of this as we get the close up of his the his most death stare, death right, stare. Right, the thousand eye the thousand yard stare yeah. right into the, the hard camera. CM Punk Chicago made, Chicago born in Something else they said. Can't. Chicago bread, probably? Maybe. So, I love this part because he's clearly talking to Colt Cabana right, his, or someone. His best friend, Colt Cabana, who's in the front row. They interact a few times in the yeah. match. And he's sitting, he's sitting, cross-legged. Punk, point, Punk City. Punk City. Just, uh, that's another sign in the crowd. Short and sweet, right? Vince Fears Punk. Vince Fears Punk. Yikes. Also true. Uh, here's one for ice cream bars. Ice cream bars was one of the uh, the demands that CM Punk made prior to this match. He hugs a lady. We assume it's probably his mom, right? It's actually his like adoptive mother, because uh, he was not a great relationship with his uh, biological family. So the he was basically taken in by this other family. That's right. It was like his uh, his best friend's mom or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Here we are, crowds chanting CM Punk. Punk's back in the ring, looking towards the ramp. Yep, and we're, we're waiting at this point for, for John Cena to make his big entrance. Yeah. Now, John Cena literally does usually have a big entrance. He, you know, he, he runs out, throws talks his hands camera. up in the air, talks to the camera. We get the salute. Oh, there it is. And that's not what we get in this match. We get a John Cena with his head down. He's, a, he's subdued. Subdued. and He's got the championship, yeah. but... You know, they they film him from afar, and you kind of get how small he looks in comparison to this arena. They do a really great job of, um, better than most shows, I feel, of shooting in this arena, because it looks packed. Yes. Well, it absolutely is packed. Yeah. And Cena, with his head down, lifts the belt up, and here's CM Punk applauding John Cena from the front row with his back sort of, absor- you know, one with the people of Chicago as he's applauding. Because, again, he doesn't hate John Cena. No, he just doesn't like the idea. No, he just knows that in his, in his heart of hearts, he believes that that title belongs with him, and that's what he's going to try to prove. And it should, it should be mentioned that Cena Punk has been WWE World Heavyweight Champion. This is the WWE Championship, which you might be thinking... What the fuck's the difference? There's actually a big difference. Um, yes. At this point in time, the World Heavyweight Championship, which was on SmackDown, which is the the B show, the less important show, that was the title that a lot of um, mid-carters would get people yeah. they didn't really have full faith in. Yeah, TLDR, this this title that they're, that they're wrestling over right now is the one that Hulk Hogan held and Bruno Sammartino held and The Rock held and Stone Cold Steve Austin held. Mm-hmm. And CM Punk has had a title that they called a world title, but he never held the one that the big names held. Exactly. So. Which, by the way, they don't make mention in this match that fact. That um, he's been a world champion before? Yeah. Right. It's kind of implicit if you're a, you know, again, this is a match that kind of appeals to a, a certain type of fan. So there's a certain type of fan that knows that, oh, this is like the... This, this is, is a legitimate world title for this company, and they don't usually give it to just anybody. Right. 
right? If you look at the guys who held, you know, the two titles, there are a lot, a lot of names on the list of world heavyweight champions who aren't necessarily huge names, great names. Jack Swagger. Jack yeah. Swagger. As much as I love Mark Henry, Mark sure. Henry. Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler. Right, so these are guys who, uh, you know, good wrestlers, yeah. sometimes even great wrestlers. I think Mark Henry was legitimately great. Yeah. But they were not megastars, always. No, exactly. And CM Punk was given that title in the same vein of, hey, you're good, we're going to give you this thing. But we're going we're gonna, to, you know, keep the real world title for John Cena. Exactly. And if we need a real... Uh, Top-level star, we're going to take the belt away from you and give it to them, a la Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels. Um, right, yes. Yeah. C- first title reign. One of the many times CM Punk was sort of slighted. He was the world heavyweight champion, and the title was taken off of him. He didn't even lose a match. He got kicked in the head backstage. Right, right. He, he suffered a storyline injury, and they basically awarded his title to somebody else to further a different feud that he wasn't a part of. Yeah. So this is the sort of ignominy that CM Punk is trying to avenge in this match right here. Exactly. And again, because there's no... Well, the match is underway now. Yeah. Because there's no animosity between these two guys personally, it looks like we're going to start with a, uh, a kind of a traditional feeling out process. Yeah. Some, some uh, simple wrestling, some holds. Right, CM Punk takes the early advantage with a side headlock. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not... I don't know if it's at this point in the match where we don't have the audio, but at some point when Cena gets on the offense, which probably will happen pretty soon, the crowd chants... You can't wrestle. And what does CM Punk do? <laughs> CM Punk... Uh, well, you, you're, you're making a very good point because John Cena actually out-wrestles CM Punk in the opening moments of this and match. And we're right now with the side headlock to Punk. Right. And it's, uh, it's nothing major. Mm-hmm. This, is just, this is just a feeling out process. But sort of the popular perception of fans is that CM Punk is good at the wrestling part, the hold and counter hold, and yeah. John Cena doesn't know how to do that. Hence the you can't wrestle chance. Yeah. So this match starts out with John Cena being surprisingly good at mat wrestling, which is surprising to CM Punk and infuriating for the people who are watching. So here we go, CM Punk... Place the crowd. Right, he just got out-wrestled as they're chanting, you can't wrestle, and he sort of looks into the audience and mouths, are you talking to me? And they all say, no! And he goes, oh, okay. Cool. Which... You know, makes sense because he did just get out wrestled. So if one of those two guys sucks at wrestling, it's CM Punk. CM Punk again is being out wrestled by John Cena. This is not John Cena's usual style. John Cena is usually more of a high impact shoulder tackle kind of guy. I can't remember if it's this match because uh, they do end up rematching for SummerSlam, uh, which is about a month later from the show with uh, Triple H. As the special guest referee. Yes. Um, I, maybe that ma- build up to that match, but John C- uh, CM Punk says something about uh, <laughs> you couldn't hack it as a bodybuilder. Right. You can't wrestle either, essentially. So Punk, you mentioned it, you, you hinted at it, I should say, that he doesn't hate John Cena, 
But this is a match that isn't about hatred. Right, John yeah. Cena just, just tackled him, hit him, knocked him to the ground with a shoulder tackle, and CM Punk applauded him. Yeah. Um, the pipe bomb, which gets, you know, that gets everything in motion, um, was effectively the CM Punk babyface turn. Right. He was a bad guy up until that night, essentially. He had feuded with Randy Orton as yes. part of the new Nexus. Do you remember that? Yes. Um, they actually introduced him as part of the new Nexus in this match, his, uh, his graphic. Yeah. But that's an excellent point. CM Punk, despite the fact that he is trying to destroy the company that everybody has bought tickets to come and see, sure. is, is a hero here. He's a babyface. Both of these guys are essentially babyfaces. Absolutely. John Cena's being treated as the heel because this is Chicago, but now we see CM Punk nice. uh, okay. kind of hit some of his, his wrestling style here with the, the drop kick and the leapfrog, the more athletic stuff. The, the, uh, the hip toss as well. The hip toss, yep. And now, because John Cena hit the, uh, hit the shoulder block, so now CM Punk has to hit some of his stuff. And now, because CM Punk has to have the last word on everything, <laughs> he goes back to a side headlock just to prove that he could do a basic move better than John Cena. Of because, of course, he's the best. Best Visually, in the world. Uh, as we watch these two, these two burly, sweaty men make love on the floor, it looks like... Uh-huh. Uh, the visual contrast between these two men, uh, a guy who is very in shape, yes. John Cena with no tattoos, looks like Mr. Clean, essentially, yep. and this kind of skinny, fat... As Triple H called him, a skinny fat ass. Skinny fat ass, with some tattoos. And a lot of hair oil. A lot of hair oil. <laughs> he looked like a skeevy-looking lawyer, yeah. Yep. So what we just we were just talking it over over it there, but John Cena just went into CM Punk's playbook, did the same move that CM Punk had just done to him, the leapfrog, and uh, and a drop kick, and then CM Punk went to hit John Cena one of John Cena's signature moves, the quote unquote five knuckle shuffle. John Cena got out of the way. John Cena attempted his big like his uh, his biggest move, the attitude adjustment. CM Punk got out, tried to hit his big move, the go to sleep. John Cena got out, and they kind of stalemated. Yeah. So we're kind of seeing, we're seeing a stalemate here. Absolutely. In the early goings, we're establishing that these two guys are very much equals. To that point, um, an understated. I think what I kind of enjoyed about this pairing was, what their finishing moves are, are totally different. But they but start they, from the they same start place. Exactly the same, which is the. Uh, fireman's carry, which if you don't know, you put your opponent on top of your shoulders, kind of uh, horizontal, and in the case of CM Punk, he kicks you in the, he knees you in the face, and John Cena throws you, kind of flips you over. Yeah, throws you at the ground, which makes perfect sense because as we're going to see, the strategies of both of these guys perfectly reflect softening their opponent up for that match, or for that, for that move. Mm-hmm. Also, take a look at John Cena's face here. He does a really good job of appearing frightened, appearing nervous, mm-hmm. because the stakes are crazy high here. CM Punk at this point seems way more confident than John Cena. Yes. He's at the home field advantage, as they, as they say. Right. But you'll see CM Punk sort of has a strategy of striking the head, whereas John Cena is going to try to uh, repeatedly knock the wind out of CM Punk. Uh... 
So we have Cena with another uh, headlock. Uh, Cena Punk with another headlock. Punk is trying to get up but cannot. Uh, as we watch this, I wanted to make mention of something that I've noticed in most of Cena Punk matches, the big ones at least. The referee. Yeah. Scott Scott Armstrong. Yes. Who tends to be the referee in a good number of CM Punk matches. I don't know if you've noticed this. That's true. He was uh, he was a crooked referee. Yes, at least once during the was the Straight Edge Society version of CM Punk, which was a couple years before. I think he may have also refed the. Uh, maybe it was the Undertaker match as well. I believe so. He tends to be in a lot of CM Punk matches. I think they're pretty tight, actually. Uh, he's he's also the uh, he's also the brother of the road dog Jesse James. Mm-hmm. Not the badass Billy Gun. No, blood brother, I suppose, the badass Billy Gun. Got it. I don't know if you noticed the juggalos in the in the crowd. <laughs> A couple of juggalos. Oh yeah, there are some juggalos. Yeah. So some of the signs that uh, a big one that I very much loved was a man dressed as John Cena saying, with a sign that says, Cena, meet Cena. Yes. It was awesome. <laughs> okay, so John Cena just hit one of his signature moves, which is the release fisherman suplex. Yeah. Uh, and that's the first time that we've seen one of these guys hit one of their... Bigger moves. One of their bigger moves. And John Cena is... Stalking. Already stalking, getting ready to set CM Punk up for the attitude adjustment in an attempt to put the match to bed already. Punk it. Rolls out, hits a DDT. And Punk hits a DDT, which focuses on which body part? The head. That's right. Because his move, his finishing move, is the GTS. You go to sleep, and the knee will hit the head at some point. Exactly right. Punk has a lot of, um, in his repertoire, a lot of moves that are knees, strikes to the head. Yes. You've got the running high knee. To the corner, to the yes. corner, which he does... A nice variation in this match. He does. It's it looks pretty nasty. It looks terrible in a good way. Yeah, he's got he hits it twice. One of which is just brutal. Yeah, it, it, I will probably make a, a very unpleasant noise <laughs> for the people at home right in your ear. Okay, so CM Punk has his legs. Yeah, CM Punk his... has a figure four headlock on John Cena with his legs, and. Cena was able to stand up and power out of it, but uh, Punk elbowed him right in the top of the head. Yeah. Again, softening his dome piece up. Dome piece. His dome piece. And... See, that right there is a signal to me. CM Punk, baby face. Could have done... He could have jumped off the top rope. Could have done something more high impact, but instead... Oh, he's about to do something very high impact right here. What's do he doing you, here? Do you remember this? It's nasty. Is this the leg drop? It is a... Uh, it's a knee drop directly to the back uh, of his head. yeah. I've seen this in a lot of YouTube music video packages for CM Punk. Yep. Yes. And this CM Punk. Punk has now draped John Cena... Oof. He's draped John Cena, so his head is sort of... Uh, leaning outside of the ring, and he jumped off the top rope and kind of hit him with a guillotine. Knee drop right to the back of the head. Off the apron. Off the apron. Now pay attention to the fact that a lot of big moves in this match happen on the outside. I love the look on CM Punk's face there when he was like, I shouldn't have expected that to put him away. 
we mentioned Colt Cabana in the audience. I just wanted to make, make mention of somebody else in the audience. Mr. A. Steele. Mr. A. Steele. CM Ace Punk's Steel. trainer. Yes. Also under contract with WWE at some point. Yeah, as a, as a trainer, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think he may have ultimately an enhancement guy. but. Yeah, I think he wrestled some Sunday Night Heat matches or things like that. What a great show. Okay. Irish whip into the corner. Punk misses and runs into... Uh, runs into the corner, hits his shoulder. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the, the moves on the outside. So many of the big moves on this match happen on the outside. And throwing your opponent to the outside or having your opponent fall to the outside unexpectedly become uh, recurring themes in this match. Definitely crucial to um, how this match... Yeah, it plays into the ending. Yeah, absolutely. So, Punk was able to uh, get back to his feet and hit John Cena with a, a nasty clothesline. Mm-hmm. Again, the head and neck in serious trouble here. So CM Punk um, is wearing on Cena at the moment, grabbing him by the ears. What a dick. Um, he's wearing, as he always wears, the Chicago stars yes. on his tights and trunks and, and boots, I should say. Yeah, he's a guy who really wears his sort of his city on his sleeve, Absolutely. which you don't see a lot of. A lot of wrestlers, you know, they all have a hometown, obviously. Sure. But very Death Valley. Death Valley, the Undertaker. Uh-huh. Death Valley's favorite son, right? For this night, though, CM Punk is wearing the Chicago colors as well. Yes. Uh, the, the kind of light blue, white, and red. Yeah. I just wanted, I, I just wanted to say he's, uh, he represents his hometown in a way that a lot of people don't. And I think it's genuine. I think he really is a, uh, a beloved figure in Chicago. Oof, that looked bad. Yeah. Uh, he, he just Did wiped out. Oof, Cena favoring his knee. His uh, right knee, I should say. Yeah, I think they knocked knees on the way down. Yikes, yeah. CM like Punk that. didn't get as much as much air as he wanted on that cross body, and I think they might have knocked knees on the way would down. Would that be considered a reverse cross body? <laughs> I think a reverse cross body would be back-to-back. Oh, there you go. Which I guess is like a senton. As much as I love CM Punk, his body is nothing impressive. As I'm, yeah, as I'm watching this match, I'm like, my God, dude. Yeah. What are you eating? So, at this point, Punk is trying to suplex John Cena back into the ring. And Cena hits a huge suplex off the apron of the ring, throwing CM Punk to the floor. So now, both guys have hit these monstrous moves to each other on the floor. Mm -hmm. Once again, mirroring each other. One um, One of the reasons this feud worked so well is that they were opposites. Opposites and equals. Exactly. There are two, uh, two sides of the same coin. Um, that they, it's, uh, I think online there was a, was it Cena as Superman and Punk as Batman? This sort of dichotomy of the, of the two. Right. It makes sense. It's a, it's a fair analogy. One, two, Punk kicks out. So here you are, CM Punk with a very pained face on. Yeah. They don't zoom up to it, but you can. Right, and look at John Cena, too. You could see the kind of panic in his eyes. Frustration. And he hits another one of his, uh, his fisherman suplexes. 
remember watching this match live. Did you watch this match live when it was uh, I did July not. 17th? I did not watch it live. Um, how dare you? I believe I had to work. Quit your job. I did. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Quit it sooner. Um, as I, I remember watching this match at my friends, as I mentioned, and uh, I was afraid, obviously, I was invested, but as the match went on, I was convinced it was up. He's not going to win. He's not going to win. He's not going to win. He can't win. Right. And I was looking at different <laughs> parts of the match. Because in wrestling, you can kind of tell. You can who, tell what they're setting up. Exactly. And if someone gets most of the match, it probably means they're not going to win. Right. And, but this match has been Pretty very, even. very even. Yeah. It's... Cena's looking very frustrated. Right. Thinking he, he should have been given the three count. And I don't mean three count with uh, Shannon Moore and uh, Hurricane Helms and, and uh, Evan Courageous. Evan Courageous. How dare you forget Evan Courageous? He had the, he had a fantastic uh, finishing move. True enough. He was a better breaker. Better breaker, Shane Helms. Yeah. So. Oh God, these punches. Yep, he's hitting the the body blows and Punk just hit Cena with uh with he's hitting him with some strikes right now, some UFC worthy strikes. <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> we're, we're, we're reflecting back on a good night in Punk's career. We don't have to go to... Yep. Yikes. Okay, so this was a... Uh, an abdominal stretch. Abdominal stretch. Cena yes. has trapped Punk in an abdominal stretch, which is working the midsection once again, yep. trying to soften him up for that big impact, the, that attitude adjustment where he's just going to throw CM Punk as hard as he can on his back. Kind of a lung-busting maneuver. What? This is one of the more homoerotic positions of the match. It is. It looks like it might be out of the Kama Sutra. Yeah. And this is the first time that CM Punk has done anything sort of... Heelish. Heelish. And he just raked John Cena's eyes to get out of that move. Doing his best Hulk Hogan impression. Yeah. And again, this... Yeah, yeah, they they hit a double clothesline. Both of them knock... They knock each other down at the same time. The double clothesline is sort of the ultimate wrestling... Shorthand for these two guys are evenly matched. Exactly. There's also another one which I don't think they do in this match, but the booyah spot of the, of the striking, which kind of indicates that oh yeah, these guys are on the same. Uh... Right. Well, they were just trading some strikes. We might have gotten a booyah there. I don't remember. We can't really hear it. All right. Look both back up. Cena runs for the. Uh... Right. Cena's now hitting his sort of shoulder tackles of doom. Shoulder blocks. Yeah. Ah, nice. And Punk manages to escape and try to pin Cena down, Cena back up to his feet, and throwing Punk into the corner. Reversal by Punk. High knee, blocked. Yep, and again, we're at at this sort of breakneck pace now, countering each other's signature moves. Yeah. Cena has Punk down. To the crowd. And he's gonna go for his uh, for his five knuckle shuffle, which is sort of a fist drop. Yeah. And he gets kicked in the head. <laughs> oh, I always love that 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 spot of the match. It's it's so great, and it didn't. I don't remember ever it ever happening before, so it was a pretty novel, novel move. Yep. Suicide dive to Cena to the yep. ropes. And again, let's not forget that CM Punk threw John Cena to the floor, and then hit that uh, hit that huge suicide dive. It seems like whenever 
either guy can't land their big signature moves, they go to the well of throwing somebody to the outside. Interesting. I wonder if that was intentional. I, I would have to say it is because that's the, that's the story of this match, right? Is that the usual doesn't work. So what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to hurt the guy as bad as possible in a way he's not expecting. And in this match, anyway, that has taken the form of uh, attacks on the outside. Uh, if you want to timestamp this show, there's the, the general manager podium on the side uh, next to the announcer's table. Yeah. Just to remind you of what was going on at the time. Ooh. So CM Punk just whiffed on the top rope clothesline. Apparently he's, you know, CM Punk the performer is probably very uh, very aware of this sort of narrative thread of signature moves not working. But CM Punk the character is unable to stop going for his signature moves. You have to assume that these two guys have scouted each other. And that's why these moves aren't hitting. And uh, we didn't mention, so Cena gets the five-double shuffle, yep. goes for the AA, the attitude adjustment, and... And he's going to go He's gonna go for it. Goes for it, and Punk gets out of it. Not yep. in the most... Not in the most graceful way, but he... Uh, the important a, thing is he escaped Cena's big move, and he kicked him in the head again. Yes. He had a uh, quick uh, little combo of, of strikes... Which ends with a uh, uh, sort of a Mortal Kombat style leg sweep. Yes, he did his best Raiden. <laughs> um, so and I guess he kind of did a. I guess the sort of uh, flying uh, suicide dive was also a Raiden move. Oh, yeah, of course. That's the the. Sayonara! If Kenny Omega jumps in this match, we're gonna get a Hadouken. <laughs> um, and that's a, that's a different franchise. I'm surprised they've never done a crossover. Punk, okay, teasing the GTS, which is his finishing move. Yep. Cena gets out, hits a side power bomb. A gut wrench suplex. Gut wrench suplex. Okay, there you go. And unable to keep Punk down, but uh, again, working that midsection, just dropped Punk on his back again. Mm-hmm. A gut wrench, uh, a gut wrench suplex is something they don't do enough of. Right, and it's something that I don't think I've ever seen John Cena do before. Outside his comfort zone. Yeah. Okay. What a, what a dick. For some reason, I saw that 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 little movement he just did with the ropes. The uh, rope, pulling on the ropes to, I don't know what. Stretch out his back, stretch I guess. Back, yeah. All right, back to the attitude adjustment. Pump steps out. Oh. A knee, knee directly to the forehead. That one. Oh. Fuck me. Two knees directly to the. Well, I think one directly to the forehead and then one to the chin. Yeah, I think they do a replay of it. Yeah, it's nasty. You yeah. kind of see his whole face vibrate. The punk's outside, um, looking to jump and do another. Yep, he's uh, he's going for another one of his signature moves here, and hits it. Yep, hits the the clothesline one two, and Cena gets out. But Cena's clearly out of it, which may or may not be acting because fuck, fuck. my god, look really good. He just he smashed his. Real knee directly into John Cena's real face. Just, Yikes. Ugh. Well, I guess it was his his lower thigh, Still. right? If he hit right with that kneecap, I think John Cena might have died. 
Well, doesn't um, Seth Rollins? Seth Rollins, yeah, a similar thing happened a couple of years later where Seth Rollins like shattered John Cena's nose. There's that photo of his nose just like completely wrecked. Right, so Punk is doing his uh, best UFC strikes again. <laughs> right, and okay, C- Cena finally trips him up and gets him in the STF, the step over toe hold face lock, which not many people get out of. So. Right, it's a uh, it's kind of death. Yeah. Under most circumstances. This was the point of the match when I watched it live. I thought it was over. Right. I, distinctly, I distinctly remember this was like, all right, fuck it, it's thought, over. You thought Punk had a good run. Yeah, he had a good run. He can go to UFC. Right. Um, Which would have, this, you know, 2011 would have been a good time for CM Punk to go to UFC before he was like 40. Yeah. And Punk makes it to the ropes. You know, this we're like 20-something minutes in at this point, and that's the first time somebody has hit one of their finishing moves. Exactly. So this is... Um, it's definitely not a slow match in terms of... Um, well, it was slow at the beginning, though, right? Oh, at the beginning, yes. It's, it's, it's interesting to... Oh! And Punk just clocks Cena... With a knee. With, with a... Uh, the kick to the head. Yeah. Which actually is one of his um, signature moves. He would do that pretty often. Yeah, there was a point where he was actually winning matches with that kick. Yeah. But. These guys are spent. Yeah. So now both uh, both guys have hit a move that you could call a finishing move. Yes. But neither guy has hit their sort of death move. Yeah, exactly. Their their surefire finish. We've seen them go for it a number of times each. It should it should be noted that CM Punk has about two actual finishers. We mentioned the GTS. The other one is the Anaconda Vice. It's Anaconda a submission Vice. hold. Mm-hmm. Here he is going for another cross body. Cena, Cena rolls through, catches him. Ooh, look at that face. Yep, throws him up on the shoulders. Punk, Punk rolls out. Punk rolls out. Tries to hit the go to sleep. Oh, and oh Cena trips him up and gets him back in the STF. This is the second time of the match that I thought it was over. <laughs> right, was, because that what a finishing sequence that yeah. would be and if this it was And this was the pattern end. of Cena matches. Is, is Something like that would spell defeat. This is the end. Right. You try to go for your move. You couldn't do it. I reversed it. Right. Maybe yeah. you get your move. Cena kicks out. You try your move again. Cena reverses your move into his move. And Punk is really milking it here. They've got yeah. the, they're even they're giving us the visual cues, the production cues. Yeah. Because if if CM Punk were going to give up here, the cameraman would know to zoom in on his hands exactly. so we could see him tap out. And they're doing that despite the fact that CM Punk is about to reverse the hold. Into the into yeah. his own his own signature finishing move, the Anaconda Vice. So now the crowd you can't hear it, guys, but the crowd is losing their fucking mind. Yeah, they're Stomping their feet and drumming their hands on the uh, on Barricade. the barricades, and CM Punk, of course, the Anaconda Vice is uh, is a headlock, which is going to exacerbate all of the uh, all of the the injury that he's managed to Excellent. inflict on John Cena's head so far. Unfortunately, Cena is the stronger of the two, <laughs> and he's kind of able to muscle up, and he hits the oh attitude adjustment. God. And I'm Remember. sure you thought this was the end too. Absolutely. One, 
to... Kicks out. And he kicks out. I shit my pants, probably. Which, uh, this never happened at this point. Nobody kicked out of the no, attitude adjustment in, in 2011. And this was the second attitude adjustment, or was this the first that one? That was the first one he actually hit. Okay. He teased it. Tremendous he teased it, and he finally hit it. But you have to imagine he was in the Anaconda Vice, which is also a choke. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't have, uh, you know, he didn't have the wind to really crank that pin, so... We have a reason for why John Cena wasn't able to put CM Punk away with that uh, with that move. But now he's getting back to his feet. He's Punk is still down. Punk is still down. Cena's very clearly at an advantage here. John Cena going up to the top rope, which is, at least in this point in his career, not something he did very often. No, I think one of the times he did it, he injured himself. Yeah, or he injured The Rock. Uh, no, I'm talking about the Batista match where he, like, tore his pec or something. Oh, yeah. So he's trying to jump at Punk. Punk manages to get out of the way, kind of turn it into a little bit of a powerbomb. Sure. He like, a sidestep powerbomb situation. Right, he managed to sidestep John and drive him to the mat on the way down. Gets a two-count out of that. Two-count out of that, but, man, look at CM Punk's face. He's... He's, he's got adrenaline... But he's also exhausted. He's exhausted. He's calling now for the go to sleep, and they cut to the uh, <laughs> they cut to everybody in the audience also doing the the same uh, the same signal. The same they're team. all on the same they're all on the same team here. Yeah. I, I remember watching this show, and there's a couple of Cena fans, and I remember getting so upset by them. Like, why are you there? <laughs> Just go home. So, go. Cena grabs the uh, grabs the rope. Again, drops to the outside and is able to reverse momentum. Yeah. We should mention that Punk was going for the GTS at the time. Yeah, Punk was going for the GTS, wasn't able to hit it. Cena's going up to the top rope again. The guillotine leg for drop. For the guillotine leg drop, which he manages to hit, and it looks like death. Yeah. Nice callback, because Punk did that to Cena. Right. On the um, crowd's going insane. Punk kicks out. Right. Nobody, nobody has ever, at this point... Up until this point in John Cena's career, nobody else has taken this number of big moves from him and escaped. I mean, maybe you could say Triple H at WrestleMania or oh, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Yeah, but those were the biggest show of the year. Those are extenuating circumstances. This is a guy who's not supposed to be on his level at a show that's not a major show. So none of this feels right. You know? But it completely feels right, which is the best part about this. Right. You, you don't expect any of this to happen. You're saying, well, CM Punk's not going to win this, especially not on a throwaway show like this. And here we have this underdog taking it to the corporate champion at this completely unexpected moment in time. And it's just, it's captivating. Cena is stalking. Punk turns around. Yep. And for the attitude adjustment again. Going for the attitude adjustment again. Facing the hard camera. And he hits it. And he hits it. Full bore. Hooks the leg. And Punk kicks out again. This was the... the <laughs> Cena can't even believe it. Cena's and he's, here he is. He's, he's coming <laughs> over to the referee, and he's like, are you sure it was two? This, I mean, if there's any finish this match, that was the finish, right? It's, uh... Yeah, at this point, you can, you can really say, okay, we're in uncharted territory here. Because every sense that you have as a WWE fan, this match should be over by now, but it's not. And keep in mind, um, you kind of intended it. There was a string of pay-per-views with Cena, I feel, where they did things like this. 
where he would destroy you with a couple of finishers, and then you'd be done. Yes. And this is kind of what's happening in this match, except... Except Punk will not stay down. He's kicking out. Right. So now, we mentioned this before in the preamble, but Cena has one move that he will do, which if, if he can't put you away with the, the regular attitude adjustment, he will do the move to you off the top rope. And that's what he's trying to do to CM Punk right here. He's standing on the middle rope. He's got Punk on his shoulders, and he's going to try to throw him off. Punk is fighting out of it. And Punk is, fights out of it and just hits a series of unprotected elbows right to the side of Cena's head. Love it. Um, those elbows that Punk just hit on Cena, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but earlier in the night, a one Daniel Bryan wins the Money in the Bank briefcase with the same yep. elbows to the neck. Yep. Of, I think it was to Wade Barrett. Um, but Yeah. And CM Punk has now hurled John Cena himself to the mat, and he's pulled up his knee brace <laughs> to hit another one of those nasty knee strikes to hobbles, Cena's face. Hobbles over there, too. With no knee brace. GTS. And he hits the GTS, and Cena falls oh my out of the ring so Punk can't pin him. And just look at the look of horror on CM Punk's face, because he knows that if Cena hadn't fallen out of the ring, he's got the match won. And it was the first time he hit the GTS. Yes, that he was did. the first time he's hit his uh, his surefire move. And he's, now he realizes he's got to go to the floor, peel John Cena's corpse off the floor. Dead weight. Dead weight, throw him back into the ring, and hope against hope that, you know, 15 seconds later, Cena won't have recovered enough to sure. kick out. So Punk throws Cena back in. Back, back in. Yep. And, and now here we have Vince McMahon coming to the ring. Like we said, we're in, the, we're in uncharted territory here, so Vince, at this point, has, no longer has faith that John Cena will be able to take this match home. So he is uh, clearly willing to take matters into his own hands to make sure that Punk doesn't leave with the title. So uh, next to Vince McMahon is a guy... John uh, Laurinaitis. They name him John... Uh, they call by his, his name, and... We've never seen John Laurinaitis on... Oh, sorry, not to interrupt you, but here's... Uh, we're, we're reenacting, as we said, Montreal. We have John Cena, has CM Punk in a submission hold, and John Laurinaitis has run over to tell them to ring the bell, just uh, the same way that they, uh, they kind of screwed Bret Hart all those years ago. And John Cena, in a fit of righteous fury, has rolled out, given up the hold, rolled out to the floor, and punched John Laurinaitis, and now he's yelling at Vince McMahon that... He's going to finish this his way. Yeah. Cena slides back in. Punk. He slides back in directly into a second GTS. Punk falls on top of him. One, two, three. And CM Punk has won the WWE Championship from CM Punk. And Vince McMahon has the most cartoonishly sad <laughs> face. And also the most cartoonish suit of all time. Yeah, he looks, he looks ridiculous. He looks <laughs> like he's wearing his dad's suit. <laughs> from the grave. So, here we are. CM Punk wins the WWE title. Vince <laughs> looks miserable. John Laurinaitis is maybe dead at this point. <laughs> yes! Uh, an iconic photo. The iconic photo of CM Punk posing with his newly won championship. So, we see Vince here just 
Vince, flabbergasted. Right, Vince doesn't know where the story goes from here, and no, neither does anybody else. No. Uh, again, I was watching this live, and, uh, I, you know, as a wrestling fan, you book, you come up with the best wrestling scenario right, as possible. Right, armchair booking. Of course. And uh, the obvious one was, you know, someone's going to, he's going to just, someone will cash in. Right, but, and this was, this was money in the bank, so somebody had won the right to a championship match whenever they wanted it earlier in the night. So here's Vince McMahon. He's had the same idea that you have. He's grabbing the microphone and demanding that uh, Alberto Del Rio, who won that match, come out and challenge CM Punk right now while CM Punk is still in the ring. CM Punk is still under WWE contract for another hour. Yep. Right, because this is 11 p.m. right now. Punk's contract uh, expired at the stroke of midnight. So he's demanded that Alberto come out and challenge Punk. Mm-hmm. And just anything that he can do at this point to, uh, to make sure that Punk doesn't leave with his precious championship. And here comes Alberto jogging in with his contract, and Punk nice. kicks him in the head before he can hand the contract to the referee that, and that. make the match official. And Punk is so happy. Vince is so sad. And at this point... Punk also realizes I've got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, at this point, at this point, Punk realizes he's not safe. He's escaping into the crowd like fucking Robin Hood, Sweet. blows Vince McMahon a kiss, and just disappears into the sea of humanity that is Chicago. Nobody's gonna follow him into that because they will probably legitimately get killed. Yes, absolutely. And Vince McMahon just <laughs> <laughs> looking like a forlorn child. He looks like a child lost at the grocery store. Definitely a very old-looking child. And here we're, uh, uh. We're, we're zooming out. Vince McMahon with tears in his eyes and CM Punk in this sea of humanity in his hometown of Chicago. Everyone losing their goddamn minds while he holds the title he was never supposed to hold over his head. And where's John Cena? We don't know. Where's the status quo? We don't know. I don't know. So that's it. Money nice. in the Bank 2011. So what do you think? Did, uh, did Money in the Bank 2011 hold up? I will say that uh, without the sound, it definitely takes the match down a little bit because, as you said, Chicago is, uh, is a character in this match. It's, it's super important. To the legacy of this match. Yes. The the match itself and ring, you know, it's seven years later to the date. Yeah. And wrestling has come a long way. WWE wrestling, specifically, their, their style of main event has drastically changed. And this was kind of the proto... Right. CM, CM Punk was the trailblazer, right, for the, uh, for the guy who wasn't a bodybuilder, who wasn't a six-foot-five hairless white guy. Um, and a lot of guys, a lot of guys today, huge stars today, Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe, these guys would never have gotten a chance if CM Punk hadn't gotten a chance. And, you know, this goes back to the legacy, um, piece that we, we pinted at throughout the, this recording is what is this match's legacy and what's the legacy of this of this performer who's no longer around. Right. His, his ghost sure is. 
his ghost is still there. You mentioned the bittersweet uh, story of CM Punk at the WWE. Right. And I think we can look at that. Yeah. Um, because he wins the title. Yes. Beats Cena again. Has this these two incredible moments. Yeah. And has the rug taken out from underneath him. So we can put the title on Alberto Del Rio, who has always been lukewarm. I would, I would definitely agree with that. He had the look. He, he had the look. A, he was very tall. Yep. <laughs> he was very for, tall. For a, a, a gentleman of Mexican persuasion, he sure was 6'3". And I think CM Punk never really was as hot as he was. He got hot again. He got his title back. And he had a, at the time, record-breaking world title run. He held the title for over a year. Mm-hmm. And let's get pay some respect to the man. It's four hundred thirty four days. Four hundred thirty four days, which it's is a t-shirt for it. Which is the longest world title reign since uh, they say in the modern era. Twenty five years or something like that. Yeah, since Hulk Hogan held it. Yeah. And the problem with this is that while he was world champion, John Cena is still kind of the star of the show. CM Punk theoretically has the title that the biggest star on the show has, he, he's wrestling against guys that you, the casual wrestling fan, have never heard of. Yes. And guys that are not presented as anything special. Right. Um, he, so, it was great. His string of matches were fantastic. Yeah. He was working, he was busting his ass, he was having fantastic matches, he was bringing a lot of prestige back to the title, but he was doing it despite WWE's insistence on making John Cena the focus. So, ultimately, this, like we said, bittersweet thing, CM Punk has these great moments where he defeats John Cena, he surpasses John Cena in terms of his title reign, he becomes uh, this huge superstar, becomes bigger than he really ever, anyone ever thought he was going to be, and he still winds up leaving the company in frustration because the status quo is God. The final result of this is CM Punk, out of frustration and disillusionment, leaves not only WWE, but pro wrestling as a whole. He's sort of... He's over it, I think. I think he was a lifelong fan. He loved this stuff. And the fact that WWE did this to him after he gave them the best years of his career... And his, his prime, yeah, honestly. and made them millions of dollars, uh, not just in terms of ticket sales, but also in merchandise. He was selling merchandise like crazy. He put his body on the line for them, and they basically uh, they spat in his face, yeah. essentially, from his perspective. Success in a pretend sport can't be what gets you up in the morning. Yeah. Which is, because yeah. being the best doesn't guarantee that that you're treated that way. And this is the guy whose nickname ends up becoming the best in the world. Right. Which we didn't really say uh, while we watched this match, but that's, that ends up becoming his moniker. He was the, what, the straight edge whatever. Straight edge superstar. Straight edge uh, superstar, savior. Um, then he became the best in the world. And in a world of fake fighting, there is no best. It is purely subjective. And it's... Um, it's performance art. Performance art. And it's... You can't um, win the performance art championship. Exactly. And it's predetermined by some other guy. Right. Who clearly um, has his favorite. 
you know, just to wrap up, I guess. Well, what a historical match. Uh, to wrap up, uh, you know how we end the show every single time, yeah, without exception. My wrestling name. Your wrestling name. You've, you've already come up with two. What was the second one? Curry Graves. I love that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, what would my wrestling name be? You're not going to top Curry Graves. I can. Um, man. This is not easy. This is what happens when you have someone on as a guest more than once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's, what I, here's what I think you should do. Yeah, tell me everything. I think you should be... I think you should be the heartbreak baby. I'll be Cameron. Yeah, that's right. You're going to be Cameron. Okay. Shawn Michaels' beautiful b- bouncing baby boy. Here's my gimmick. Here's my gimmick. Here's my gimmick. I'm going to be... I'm going to be a weird uh, combo. Uh, like a, um, a human-animal uh, combo. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm gonna Can it be, be a centaur? I'm going to be the heartbreak kangaroo. The heartbreak okay. kangaroo. So I'm really Shawn Michaels, Okay. But I got a kangaroo pouch with Cameron in it. And I'm going to tag him in. I'm going to tag him in. So you're going to be, just so we're clear, you're going to be a kangaroo with Shawn Michaels' adult son, Cameron, in your pouch. Sort of just sluicing around in there in the amniotic gel. Yeah, the amniotic amniotic sack. Um, Yeah. Heartbreak kangaroo. <laughs> I get to keep the letters. <coughs> what are you, don't, don't kangaroos like hop around, right? They gotta hop. Famously, yes. Yeah. That's what I'll do. I'll warm up with the speech and music. I'll hop around. Yeah, hop around. Uh huh. Then I'll throw up. I'll throw Cameron out, and he'll do the kick. <laughs> and then I'll jump back in, and we'll put them together. <laughs> Imagine the t-shirts. T-shirts with a kangaroo pouch. Yes! Boom. Where you keep your, your amniotic fluid. <laughs> All the amniotic fluid. Um, yeah, HBK kangaroo. <laughs> Not be pausing. Oh yeah, I kind of. I don't worry. I make you. I'm gonna make you sound real sharp.